This is Jim Wills, and you are listening to the Crave Magazine Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. Art is the expression of human creativity. Your life can be enriched by the most beautiful things that are around you. You just have to understand what you're looking at. Gamelan's a community thing, and that's actually the most important thing about Gamelan. Art in early times, it's one of the first things found in every single culture of the world. Learn to become your own greatest teacher and your own greatest fan. Jack of diamonds, Jack of diamonds, how I know you from home. Episode 35 is coming up, but before it does, I just wanted to say that since my interview with Air, my wife, Jan Race, and I were mischief makers at a recent Daybreaker event, and it was a blast. We had so much fun. There was so much love and positive energy and dance and yoga and great music, and there was even snacks. So do enjoy the podcast, and please check out what Air does. Your life will be better for it. So this week on the podcast, I am here with a super talented artist that I want to talk to her about her art, but she's also an incredible business person. Uh, and so I want to get into her business savvy as well. She is a co-owner of Circus Collective here in Denver, Colorado, which is an aerial aerobatics yoga, all kinds of stuff sort of for your mind and body and soul. She is also the director, is that correct? Producer. Producer of the Colorado Daybreaker, which is Daybreaker is an international organization that is put on once a month. Is that right? It just depends on the city. Depends on the city, but it's in cities all over the, the country. We'll get in more of that later. So I am here with Ariana Grotto, Air, yeah. as she likes to be called. So Air, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thanks. So excited to be here. Now let's get right into it with an inspiration. I like to ask every one of my guests. Uh, something that inspires them, something that they uh, carry with them, and that could be person, place, thing, quote, movie, book, anything that you sort of like carry on with you. Mm-hmm. An inspiration. Hmm. Well, I don't know if I, I use it day to day. I guess it kind of changes throughout, like especially when I create performance work. Okay. Um, my inspiration really depends on like the song or the music or like whatever the character I'm embodying. Some of my biggest inspirations for what I do in, in terms of aerial art and dance is definitely music. Okay. Um, like I find that when I just cl- kind of close my eyes, like shut the door and just allow myself to just feel the music, yeah, I can yeah. really like create new shapes and um, different ways that I can move my body that's fun and in- inspirational. And then just like throughout my life, I'm music is such a guide for me and yeah. That's definitely the biggest. So music as a broad kind of a broad category. Yeah, I would. Is say there a that. certain certain genre of music? Like, do you listen to pop, rock, metal? Um, I listen to new a lot age? of folk, and I listen to a lot of, I guess, soul. Okay. Yeah, I definitely. I actually am recently been challenging myself to maybe even like sing in an open mic night one day. Oh, nice, nice. Um, it's gonna be down the line, but I just like to like get out of my comfort zone and sure. do things that scare me and. Yeah. And I've just always, I've never thought of myself as a musician or any way, shape, and form. And 
I love jamming and I'm, I'm such a connector and I love bringing musicians together. And we had this night the other night where I brought like all these random epic musicians together and I ended up being the singer and everyone nice. was like, you're really good. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm good. This is crazy. Do you have you done, do you do karaoke at all? Or I love a good karaoke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so before we get into karaoke, you had mentioned music. Oh, and soul and soul and, and mm. folk a lot. Is there, who are you listening to right now? Oh, well, I've, I just got off a four-day contract, um, okay. so I've been listening to the same song like on repeat okay. to perform to. So um, that was Lindsay Sterling, oh, yeah. who she's great for creating work, too. I love Tedeschi Trucks and... Tedeschi Trucks, I'm not Tedeschi familiar with Trucks, they're awesome. Okay, we'll check that out. Rising Appalachia. Yeah. Um, I gotta look at my like Spotify playlist. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We'll go with those. And, yeah, that's good. Uh, as far as the like the karaoke. Oh, Tina Turner. Oh, Tina Turner, she's classic. She's my go-to. Yeah, there you go. She's a classic. Rolling on the river. She's good. <laughs> so, is is that your uh, classic karaoke tune that you like to sing? Yeah. Do you think that that uh, singing bad karaoke is also good? Like no, you get up and you like here's I won't a song, do it. <laughs> not for you. <laughs> Isn't that the idea of karaoke, though, in part? I like, think... Well, everybody should have a go-to, like, they sound good singing one song, at least. Yeah. But then, like, just to get uh, up and sing horribly? It's fun, I right? guess. Yeah. Yeah, but... That's stepping outside your comfort zone. Yeah. If you suck that bad, where it's like... Oh. I hate when, like, six people get on stage to do karaoke together. Oh, right. And you can't actually hear anyone. Because they're just, like, They're just, like, wasted. Right. Yeah, I'm like, come yeah. on, just do it right. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you there. If you're gonna... The best karaoke is when you're in, like... A Korean karaoke bar or something. It's just like five of your friends in a room or yeah, whatever. Yeah, That's yeah. so fun. They have that place in Rhino here. Have you? Um, I haven't been. What's that called? I have to look that up. I used to go when I lived in LA a lot. Okay. Too. I have been to that once and I was I was a little bit like, mm, I don't know if this is going to be cool. And there was like 10 of us in a room and it was so fun. It's we so had such fun. A blast. Yeah. yeah. And when you we get the right group of people, for yeah. sure, it can be a really good time. Yeah, for sure. My karaoke days are numbered these days, but... Yeah. Well, let's get into your story. <laughs> let's talk first about your artistry and your performance artist. Sort of tell us how you how that has come to be. Yeah, so um, I consider myself a performance circus artist. Uh, my main apparatus are silks. I mean, I do all the aerial apparat- apparatuses, uh, silks, rope, lira, trapeze, and I do a lot of like invented apparatus. Like I have a UFO that I created just for an act that oh, I nice. have. And then I do hand-to-hand adagio, and I'd like to work more on foot juggling and uh, carry-in. But yeah, so really well, just... Slow, slow down for a second there. <laughs> so you mentioned, just for people who don't know any of this stuff is, because right now we're sitting in Circus Collective, and we're sitting in the studio, which has all the ropes and the silks hanging from, from the roof. So silk would be like the, the long ribbons that we see, and I think probably, most people would probably relate to like a... Uh, uh, Cirque du Soleil act where yeah. people like spin around and then the rope's kind of the same thing rope is just one rope hanging down and you can do a lot of the same things okay. a little bit more dynamic okay and then a lira is the metal ring mm-hmm. right yep um, you mentioned something else and that, a trapeze is oh the trapeze trapeze with bar and then you talked about mm-hmm. um, some acrobatics and you had said yeah so I do um, partner acrobatics okay. so that's me and another partner and we do a lot of like hand-to-hand, which is me doing a handstand on their hands. Okay. It's just kind of a term that we use to generalize, like, standing acrobatics right. for the most part. That's what we call acro. 
Oh, you hear it um, well. yeah, Sort no? of. Acro yoga is a little bit more L-basing, which is like ground-based. Okay. But it is the foundation of like working with a partner and getting used to that. Okay. And then eventually you end up, if you're, if you're interested, you can do more standing gotcha. stuff. Gotcha. Okay. So we got the logistics of these different things. Yeah. So, I love uh, acro yoga too. It's, it's like, for me, the community aspect is so important and yeah. acro yoga is such a good community it's really builder. Fun. And yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. I, I would like to do it more, uh, allow time to do it more. Kind of like the karaoke. Come to class tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so did you grow up as a gymnast, or how Actually, did you get no, into this? No, I didn't do all, like really any. Well, I did a little bit of gymnastics when I was really young, and then, interestingly enough, when I was ten, I did an aerial dance program. Okay. That was in. I grew up in Aspen, Colorado, and okay. they had it come through. So I did, I think, two summers. And it's so funny because it was like, I was so young, I was seven, seven or eight to 10. And then um, I totally spaced it. Like I forgot that I had done that, you know, I was really young. And then basically I didn't do it again until I went to go get my yoga teacher training okay. in 2011. And I was studying to get my yoga teacher training in Costa Rica and they had a pair of silks there. Okay. And one of my roommates at the time that I was living with uh, did them. So she showed me a few things. And I ended up staying in Costa Rica after my teacher training and kind of like moving down there and teaching yoga at hostels and all that. And I ended up moving into a house in Costa Rica that was across the street from this random aerial studio. It was oh, wow. like, it was basically this woman who just like wanted to teach in her free time. And she was a local Tika and just had a little studio and she taught like one class a week. So I ended up learning silks in Spanish down oh, wow. at, that, at that studio. <laughs> That's pretty rad. And just kind of fell in love with it and ended up coming back to the U.S. And it was like a series of events that happened that were all very synchronistic that kind of kept me on this path of silks. Yeah. Mainly silks was like what I started with. So I moved. I used to work in music back in the day. So I, um, I managed bands and I worked at the Belly Up at Aspen as a talent buyer. And okay was kind of doing music in LA, like working at agencies. And I ended up moving in with a woman who had an aerial rig and she was like a local teacher. So I got to train at my house and just learn from her mm -hmm. and I ended up getting a pair of silks. And the story continued where I just kept finding houses where I could like rig and meeting the aerial community and just getting really well connected. And yeah. So I was actually mostly self-taught or taught by like friends until I decided to get a little bit more serious about it. So you didn't really grow up with no, any of this kind of stuff? Yeah, I didn't do gymnastics or anything. When were you like, in, you said 2011? Yeah. About how old were you? I was um, 22 -ish. Okay, so in your early 20s, 20s like you, this, you discovered this as something, you, it sounds like you went to Costa Rica like with this intent of, like you're into yoga, I'm going to become a yoga instructor and I'm going to go down here and do teacher training and just immerse myself in yoga. And that's where you discovered the silks. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what, what do you think? And then you sort of, gra it sounds like you sort of gravitated towards that or you attracted it more and more into your life because you said you kept living with people that had silks or opportunities to practice and train. What do you love about doing this aerial performance so much so that it has now become your life? Well, I love the artistry aspect. It's sure. like such a workout, but it's also, there's such an art form to it. 
And I'm definitely, I studied engineering and I'm kind of like a puzzle, <laughs> puzzle person. I love problem solving. And especially with silks, it's really just like a puzzle. Like yeah. there's so many endless options that you can create and how can you tie yourself up and like figure out ways to get in and out of the fabric. And um, yeah, I really love that it's like a workout because I love moving my body and working out and getting strong. But also there's such an artistry about it too. Yeah, and yeah. that I can actually make a living off of it too. Before you started Circus Collective and these other things that we'll talk about, were you making a living as a performer doing no, this? No, no. So, so there it you was were, always very part-time thing. You were in the sort of struggling artist. I started performing more professionally. My first performance was in 2013 or 14. Okay. And yes. So it was more of like, excuse me, more of like, um, like kind of struggling artist. Like I want to do this, but it was very much a hobby. Okay. I never thought that I would do it okay. as a living. So then let's transition to Circus Collective, because you you started that before Daybreak before you became involved yeah. in Daybreaker. Um, was Circus Collective your first like I'm gonna run a studio kind of space yeah I never thought I would ever do something like this Um, so take us down that journey like how did you go from being oh I love this and I'm performing it and I like it as a hobby to yeah um so kind of my transition in life and I think if anyone's listening like I was just really listening to source and that's I guess an inspiration like where the universe was guiding me like where I was being called to go and just really paying attention so like I said, I was living in L.A. working in music, okay. and I was super struggle bussing, like getting paid minimum wage, people were fighting for my job. I was working at CAA and also helping manage Jason Mraz, mm-hmm. um, and then just like so many people were applying for my job, and I would have to be the person that would answer the emails to tell them, <laughs> sorry, that job is taken. Oh, man. Like, and it was just exhausting. I felt very replaceable and then I got an offer from a big tech company to move to San Francisco and help them it was like a friend of a friend and they were paying me double and it just felt like a better position so I went up there long story short that job led to me working at Google so I ended up planning events for Google like I guess at the foundation of everything I've kind of been an event planner forever even through music I was like planning the events and producing these things And so Google hired me to produce or help produce Google I.O. And from that, I just kept getting contracts. So I was working with IBM, like IBM Interconnect, and all those large tech companies have huge conferences. And so I was the person running the social media and helping with, like, producing the back-end stuff and just a lot of the, like, event production Mm -hmm. stuff. And all the while, the only thing that stayed consistent as my jobs shifted was silks, and I would just train and come, keep coming back to this. Okay. Um, and just one day, I was just feeling like really not, like I didn't love San Francisco. I was living in San Francisco and in the Bay Area. And I just like really didn't love it there. Like I didn't feel like it was my home. I didn't feel settled. I didn't feel like I wanted to like spend the rest of my life there. And I'm from Colorado. Right. And I was coming home for a Actually, I'm going to, I'll tell this story. So (laughs) I was coming home for a wedding and I got a call from one of my favorite bands, Elephant Revival, and one of the girls from Elephant Revival. And um, I knew them because I had previously like done a boating trip with them and knew them. And she was just, what? it was Bridget. She was like, hey, are you ready for the show on Friday or whatever? I was like, 
what show? <laughs> what are you talking about? She was like, oh, wrong Ariana. And it was just such a wake-up call. And there's another Ariana aerialist, and she's amazing. She's also training. She trains in Boulder. And, and I had remembered, like, training with her back in the day and just to see how she had gone from training with me to performing at Red Rocks with Elephant Revival. Right. It actually really, like, kind of lit a fire under my ass. And um, hopefully I can say that on... If you can say whatever <laughs> you want. <laughs> so I looked... This is your at, show, girl. Yeah, I just kind of, like reflected on my life and where I was at and where okay. I want to be and yeah. and kind of just took some steps and I looked online when I was coming home to Colorado and there was this aerial dance festival happening okay. and I'd never heard of it or anything and it was just ironically the same time I was going to be in Colorado so I ended up signing up for a whole week and signed up for this thing went to this festival and then when I was there they were like oh it's the last week to audition to become part of our pro track program I was talking to some of the girls, and one of the girls I befriended at the event just got into La Rev and was just like, dude, just do it. Like, if you're being called to do it, just do it. So I literally, I got in. I, everyone else had, like, an act for their audition. Mm -hmm. I totally just improved. <laughs> and That's the awesome. school was, like, That's super awesome. improv, and they were like, you're totally in, because I love improv work, and they liked that, too. So we just got along. I got in, and... I decided to do it, and so I actually gave my work. I was working with, like, huge tech companies at the time, mm -hmm. but they were so, like, I actually was mainly working with this company, CrowdChat. Um, check them out if you... CrowdChat? CrowdChat. Okay. They're amazing. All right. All right. Um, and they were so supportive, and they were just like, we see that this is your dream. So I gave two weeks' notice. I finished up my contract with, I think it was, like, IBM, and... Finished out that, and then I went to Burning Man, straight from Burning Man, <laughs> to this new circus, like, dance program at Frequent Flyers, and I literally went, like, within one month, quit my job, moved out, went to Burning Man, I went to this dance festival. It was, like, the biggest, fastest transition a human can make. Yeah. Super overwhelming, and just jumped all in, and, yeah, so that program was nine months. Okay. And I did that, and then I ended up working at a local gym teaching and performing and doing that and she offered to sell it to me and I never thought that I would ever want to own a gym. Where was this? It was in Colorado. It's called Aerial Cirque over Denver. Okay. Since then it's been sold to someone else but at the time the woman who was running it offered to sell it to me and yeah I just started I was like when she first offered it was like a no you mm -hmm. know and then I, I couldn't sleep. I was like it was constantly in my mind and just like what would this look like and is this something I want to do and I started laying out pros and cons of like buying hers versus starting my own. And when, when was this? This what? was in um, 2015. Okay. Oh my god my years are so off. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm a little out of it today. I think that was in 2006. No. Yeah 2015 was when she was first offering it to me. Okay. 15, 16. I'm sorry 16. 16. Yeah. Okay. And then by 2017, it took a whole year. So I basically saved up. I decided I wanted to buy it after a while and saved up for an entire year. And I was, like, working double time, like, starting to build my, my ideas and, and uh, build the business plan and just really saving up money. And I was working a lot to try to, to, try to buy this. Man, a lot of stuff comes to mind. Like, had, had you worked as a business 
owner before or had experience in like yeah, owning had, and operating a business? Yeah. Okay. Um, when I moved to LA, I started a, my own management company okay. and my own event production company called Soulshine Entertainment. Okay. And so I managed like a few local bands and I'd throw parties. So I like threw a party on a boat and it was always kind of like, I always wanted it to be able to sustain myself and do that, but it, it was a very part-time thing. Like it wasn't able to do that full-time. Right. So yeah, I had Soulshine Entertainment and then I worked for just management in general of okay. artists as like, it was my own company as well too. Sure, sure. So yeah, and I you, had experience that. You had mentioned early on when we talked about inspiration and the singing and and we didn't touch on it, but you talked about stepping outside your comfort zone. And now I see a theme throughout your adult life of stepping outside of your comfort zone in, in these drastic ways. And yeah, I definitely jump in. <laughs> and I think it's fantastic. Like anybody who you know, studies personal development knows that the only way to grow is to step outside your comfort zone. Mm. There's a thing that, that says that the, the, like the only way to grow is to step outside your comfort zone and the instructions for how to step outside your comfort zone are actually outside of your comfort zone. Totally. And, and it is true. Like you, uh, the singing and then like going, like going to Costa Rica, I think, or going to, to, to study overseas, whether it's for college or for just a program like yoga or any kind of specialized training, I think is a huge step for anybody. So mm -hmm. that's a big, especially the first time we do it, you mm -hmm. know. That was scary for me when I was doing it. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then these steps of moving to, to from not only from one job to another, but, but big drastic career change mm -hmm. of, I feel really passionate about that. And that's part of uh, what I like to hear from artists, or I guess what I, like, what I think is really important about an artist who is successful is, is really someone who dives in wholeheartedly. And you hear oftentimes of like that idea of like burning the ships um, and, you know, just, just, giving yourself a, only a plan A because there is no plan B. Mm -hmm. You kind of went from, I'm going to be a yoga instructor to I re, you kind of evolved to get off the ground into the silks, into yeah. the air. And now this whole, like, I'm going to create this business. And you had talked about doing these events in California. And I discovered you through my wife, who does a lot of yoga and who has friends that do aerial and stuff. But I think we first went to an event where it was, wasn't just come to a class it was we're doing this show we're going to have music we're going to have dance we're going to do all this sort of stuff which event was it was it daybreaker or was it daybreaker? no it was circus Collective. it might have been like the grand opening kind oh, of yeah, event yeah. of circus collective cool. so yeah, i can throw a good party that's for sure yeah it's yeah they've been my, very my good parties. well so let's move from circus collective to how you became involved with daybreaker and talk about that because i've been to we've been to a couple daybreaker events as well and they are fantastic and i want to i want to talk about those so thanks yeah i love daybreaker and I appreciate you saying all that because it is really true. And, and I, I think right now I'm in another process where I'm like having to just look at my life and how I can like make changes to just make things more smooth and like everything get, I don't know, make myself, I guess, happier in a better place and sure. stuff. Sure. And so just reevaluating and I encourage like everyone to look at their life. Like what can you change that would just make things easier for you yeah. and, and then just doing it. And it's scary, like, this is a little intimidating to say, but I've had this weird call to go to the Psychic Institute in Boulder for a while. And last night I just was like, we had an event where we were hiring, we were at the Wizards brunch for the last four days. So it's like kind of a wizardy event. So I was the okay. aerialist and uh, intermission act. And then we hired all these other people and we hired a, a psychic 
And she was just like, yeah, I went to the Boulder Institute. And I was like, I'm going to sign up. And I literally <laughs> just got out my phone and signed up for a class like, oh, right awesome. there and then. And I'm really excited about it. So that's the next step for me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool. Uh, well, but that's, yeah. a, I, I, that's a, I think, also a really good point of, like, you've done that many times. It's just jumped right in. Sort of. I mean, it, it took me a while for, like, things like this. Like, I kept hearing about it and hearing about it. But eventually, like, I think... As if enough signs are coming your way for you to do something, I just listen to them. You know? how, do you, how are you open to those signs? Like, how do you, how do you see those signs? I think you see, like, as, as any human, like, you might get reoccurring things that okay. just keep coming up for you yeah. and whatever that is. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever shows up and brings you joy, just listen to that. I like that. You know, like, dance has been a reoccurring theme for me in my life, dance and music, and ecstatic dance specifically has been the foundation of everything like that was before I ever did any circus and so that's been I kind of own like a few different like I separate my brands a little okay so like there's circus collective and then there's ecstatic dance which is inside circus collective okay but it's a very different brand and then there's daybreaker which is its own brand too right um and doesn't exist inside circus collective okay but yeah, so Daybreaker, let's go into that. Sure. So like I said, dance has been a really big theme and also just like listening to what shows up and how it's reoccurring. So Daybreaker had been hiring me as a performer pretty mm-hmm. regularly and I just really love what the company stands for. Um, it's really about community building and sober community building specifically because I think what happens when you have alcohol and you mix alcohol and like late nights is you lose the authenticity in a relationship. Sure. And I think one of the core things that's missing in our society is like there's, well, I think there's really just a deep loneliness that people are longing for community. And a lot of people feel like they have to have alcohol in order to like bond. And we're trying to break that barrier. Right. For those of you who don't know Daybreaker, it's founded on the premise like, Instead of going into a bar at night and getting met by an angry bouncer and going to the bar and fighting for alcohol and then like either getting groped or not feel safe and you just want to like dance with your friends but you can't really scrap that. You come in first thing in the morning, break the day, you get met by a group of huggers and you come in and instead of alcohol at the bar, there's healthy food and drinks and then it's all about just like dancing and connecting with your community. Was it, was it started by women? It was started by a woman. Yeah, okay. her name's Radha Agral. She's such an inspiration to me. Really look up to her in a lot of ways and how she holds herself in terms of her business ownership and her community and how she shows up. Yeah, it's really then you, that's You mentioned community a couple times, and one of the things, like I play in a gamelan band. As anybody who's listened to this podcast knows, I play in a Balinese gamelan band, and that's a big part of the gamelan is the community. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so true in especially in the western world is we have lost community because probably because of this very thing i'm recording on mm-hmm. you know totally. we're looking at our phones all the time social media is definitely not community yeah in any sense of the word and so and gathering in like terms and, of groups. and gathering you're right and we do and like where to where to americans the the typical and i know that you and i are not the typical and probably a lot of people listening to this are not the typical like nine to five job type of people but then after that work, where do people go if they don't have a family to go mm-hmm. home to? They, you're right. They do end up going out to a bar or a restaurant or someplace where they can hang out, and there's usually alcohol involved. And sure, you can connect over 
sports or whatever you can connect over things on tv or you can connect over like playing pool or things like that but i it's not a, i don't think those are real bonding connections yeah so much so and i love ecstatic dance like it, it let's let's kind of segue into it because i know you talked to the, you have ecstatic dance here well, with the daybreaker story is pretty good and, and daybreaker has ecstatic dance yes as part of it so and i've done ecstatic dance with you uh i think both at daybreaker and through circus collective and i've done ecstatic dance in California and I've done it overseas awesome. in Bali yeah, it's and amazing. it's just so fun yeah so talk more about like Daybreaker specifically and then well I'll just get into how I got it so basically sure. I went to Burning Man last year and I went to go visit a friend at a camp and ended up walking in and Rada was doing a talk okay and so I just stayed and listened because I had met her a few times through performing with them and ended up going up to her partner who I'd never met and just mentioning that I had performed to them and I love the company. And he was like, oh yeah, you're in Denver, right? We're looking for a producer. Mm. So I didn't think anything of it. We bonded, I said bye. And then uh, a month after that burn around September, I went out to New York and ended up at this woman's house, Alana Mehta. And um, she was having like a private party and I ended up at her house. I got invited by her, but also some of our mutual friends. And ended up knowing like 12 out of the 18 people there. And I'm a Colorado girl, just randomly new. That's pretty wild. And five of the people worked for Daybreaker. And they were like, hey, there's just ironically a Daybreaker <laughs> tomorrow morning. Uh, you should yeah. come. And so I went and reconnected with all the people I met at Burning Man. And they were like, are you still in Colorado? We're still looking for producer. And you seem like a good fit. <laughs> So I ended up applying, and it just felt like it was very in alignment with my mission. And, um, yeah, and it's been amazing to work with them. Like, I've, I honestly did it as a little bit of a, like, an educational standpoint. Like, how can I build my community like that? How can I be a leader that shows up in that way? And how can I learn from them? And they really have given me a lot of tools to, like, be that leader so it's been really a pleasure working for them. I think that like you just, you had said earlier about like how the how universal alignment and, and you didn't mention it specifically, but like law of attraction and uh, and just being open to signs. It sounds like the universe was screaming at you at that point because you went to this party or this, this yeah, woman's totally. house and like all these people that you knew and, and, and everything's sort of lining up. Every event I've been to that you've thrown has has probably been more than 100 people if not upwards of 200 people mm. and I think that's a testament and I, we haven't talked at all about the business side like whether that's so honored <laughs> <laughs> whether any of that's made money for you or not but it's just the idea of like that you can bring a community of people together so Daybreaker Ecstatic Dance one of the things that I've noticed and you talked a little bit about it is the connectivity like you're you're met by by huggers so mm. that's for a lot of people that's stepping outside their comfort yeah. zone especially like Hugging a stranger. And there is consent with that for those who are listening. We have a nonverbal consent. And we, we actually, just for the hugging part, we do like, I do a tutorial about okay. how to hug sure. to every mischief maker that comes okay. in. I'm like, this is how you hug. And you, you know, because there's a nonverbal consent that we have, like the big arms. The arms, and, right, right, yeah. right, right. Okay. So if someone's not comfortable, you're not going to push it. Yeah, and... we, are, uh, we honor all people. And I understand a lot of people have trauma or whatever it is that comes up and they don't want to be touched and that's totally okay. Right, right. And But yeah, I mean, just touch alone, like ecstatic dance and things like that. 
there are a lot of consent is a huge part of the culture for ecstatic dance and daybreaker, and I'm kind of delving off into the consent thing. Well, how is how is ecstatic dance different? So obviously it's dance, you know, yeah. people can gather that from. But how is that different, like, say, than going to a nightclub and dancing, not just the alcohol? But, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So I love talking about this. <laughs> um, uh, so ex- there's th- there's ecstatic dance or daybreaker, and there's nightclub. So ecstatic dance is you go on the dance floor and there's no talking. So we do an opening circle and then we ask for just really a space for movement meditation and for people to just really get out of, out of their heads, into their body, let go of whatever's not serving them. And it's really like kind of a sacred space that we hold mm-hmm. a container for. And that's, that's that. Daybreaker is similar safe container space, but we have an MC. And so that allows people who are not as comfortable or not as like experienced in that way to that the MC kind of helps them release, like work through whatever they need to and provides exercises that they can have. And also like creates more of an atmosphere of fun, uplifting and everyone can talk and it's just like a fun party, but there's no alcohol. And then I think when you go to, and I think, yeah, for both those, when you go to a club or anything, first of all, often the music's so loud, you can't talk, you can't connect, and you're drinking, and like the most of the focus, I think, is on things outside of like getting vulnerable and working through your emotions or whatever it is, and you're just kind of focused on like, oh, look at that cute boy or whatever, you know, I right, don't know what right. it is, but. Well, I think like that, like. The intention is not is, necessarily there. Right, right. And, and the I, nightclub, like, you, yeah, you may go and dance and and have a good time. Your, your intent may be just to go with your friends or go and just have a good time. But there is that sort of underlying, like, kind of sort of sexual of, like, there. it's definitely a place where people go to look to hook up mm-hmm. or meet somebody new or yeah. what have you. And with the ecstatic dance, that's sort of taken off the table from the get-go. Like, this is not what this is about. We're, you're here to dance, and if, and, if, and, some, and if you make a connection with somebody, to dance with them, but it's not sexual in any way. Yeah. It's not like I'm trying to hook up with you. It's just we're sharing this moment of mm-hmm. body movement together. Yeah. Yeah, that's... yeah, and I think actually that brings up a good point I haven't really thought about much is that the container in both circumstances is really created, that it's like a safe container and you're, that's your community for the event or for the night or for the dance. Like mm-hmm. you guys get to know each other versus when you go to a nightclub, it's just so many random people. You, there's no way to meet them all. There's There's, there's a lot of barriers that are created with just talking to strangers too just like going out in a nightclub right it's like right. scary to talk to strangers and get to know that community but it's also at the foundation of everything is dance yeah. you know and that's why people go is to dance and to move their body and experience that freedom that comes with dance and there aren't a lot of places besides these containers where you can just go and dance and right. like right you know, you can go to a yoga class, you can go to a taekwondo class, but where can you go besides ecstatic dance? And, you know, Rhythm Sanctuary is amazing, and um, there's a lot of ecstatic dance popping up, but really, just like, for me, I find dance more healing than anything, really. And yeah. so, like, yeah. I need to find those spaces where I can just go and dance. The ecstatic dance we did in Bali, we went to this thing, it was, it was awesome. It was right over the ocean, this, this, yeah, it's amazing. this yeah. villa. And we were on the second floor, so you could look out over the, the water. But then, like, we'd start out with a yoga class. 
And then after the yoga class, they had ecstatic dance that we stayed for and then a meditation after that. But during that ecstatic dance, like the music is, is a huge part of the ecstatic dance of that building the energy and, mm-hmm. and the music builds with that energy of the dance. But then they had, they had some instruments around the sides and they kind of invited people to get it, to shake or whatever. And there was like these three djembe drums and two of them were being used and I sat down at one and started playing and I've played djembe for years and then these two women sat down on either side of me and, and they, neither of them knew how to play but they were like, I want to, and so we started playing and I showed them this like basic rhythm that we could play along with the music and after a while the three of us were like totally jamming for 10 minutes while the music was playing and people yeah. were dancing and that was like another element that. of bringing in like your creative expression creative expression, mm-hmm. yeah and, and it was really, really just fun yeah yeah I don't know how else to really describe it. Yeah, but it was fun. amazing to just go like the whole scene of like, this is an amazing experience of this energy with these, I think it was about probably about 50 people yeah, all totally. dancing in a small space, sweating together. And I actually took my shirt off and was like, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. And I think most of the guys had their shirts off. And, I think that's something that happens in ecstatic dance specifically is like people really let go. And that notion of like, do I care what people think of me? It just goes out the window. Right. You know, right. and they can be really free to express who they are. And so there is a lot of magic that comes from that. And like after the circle is closed or after the event, you can get to know someone mm-hmm. in that space where they're like, this is me and I'm showing up as me. Right. And right, they, they sure. put down those walls and those masks. And so in terms of like connection and relationship and whatever, you can build such deep friendships in that place. And not to brag, but Circus Collective <laughs> has created like, I'm going to say 20 relationships. So many people create their the, the love of their life from here. Like, wow, I've, that's pretty cool. We need to do a Valentine's Day special. On that. <laughs> we've yeah, we've built a lot of loves here. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it's really, really beautiful cool. to witness. So Circus Collective, you launched it kind of in 20... When? 17, um, 16? 2017. So two years later, you moved to a new space. And like, talk about the growth of Circus Collective. Yeah, Circus Collective is, if anyone's thinking about starting a business out there, (laughs) it's not easy. It's been a lot of stress and a lot of bumps in the road and overcoming obstacles. What's been one of your biggest challenges? I guess just learning how to exist, like, in my own space. I've had, when we first moved in the old location, we had some unfortunate roommates, like, guess they okay. shared the building with us okay. and and they were and they would did late night parties and they were just not very respectful mm. and they ended up getting evicted by the landlord but it took a whole year of just working with these like really disrespectful people there was a lot of drug use in their scene and not the positive drugs I would say like a lot of drugs that can get really dark okay and it just it was really challenging for us to just have to like exist and show up every day and um, know that these guys like they had made a mess in our our building a lot and we'd have to like clean up right before we'd start our yoga class. You know, oh, it was yeah, just yeah. really hard to try to like shift the energy every few days to to revamp. And that's part of the reason why we moved too, because it was just it got to the point where it was like too exhausting and and then the old rent of the old location was a lot to handle. So we moved and we're much happier here and our new location is amazing and I love our new landlords and yeah, and our neighbors are our friends and it's just like everyone's respectful of each other and it just feels 
really good. Um, so, so while we're talking about that, and we will have this information in our show notes and on the website, so people can get in touch with you and they can come check this out. But you, where where is Circus Collective located? Um, now we're at four four five nine Jason Street. We're inside Denver Beer Co., which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're all the way in the back. We have a great studio. The tallest ceilings in Colorado. And I might, besides Vegas, we might have the tallest ceilings in the U.S. Besides how, Vegas. How tall are these ceilings? 35 feet. For and an aerialist, that's like, like very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Like what we're, we're so, so outside of, I think, you guys and, and a few other places around, uh, around town, the only place I've really seen it, uh, performed professionally as Cirque du Soleil, and and I've seen it both in big tents, in the big tents, and I've also seen it like in arenas where they have the aerialist. How high up are they typically when in those kind of shows? Do they? I, it just depends. I, I think for most Cirque du Soleil shows, they're probably higher than thirty-five feet because they have the big top tents. Yeah, but not much, honestly. Like you don't really need to get higher than thirty-five to do all the tricks that you want. Right. You know. Right. So this is so this is like a great space for anybody who wants to do anything with yeah, aerial because yeah. you have enough headspace and enough yeah. room. And we look at the vertical height versus the width and space. Not, yeah, this, it is narrower, but it's much higher, which is pretty mm -hmm. pretty wild. So let's talk more from the artistic side of it and get a little deeper into that because you're a performer, mm -hmm. but you're a business person. We talked about that. Why do you think art is important? Oh. <laughs> Um, Let's dive right into the deep stuff. Yeah. Side. I think creative expression in general is like who we are as, as humans. Uh -huh. And I think art is one of the most important things that everyone needs to find within themselves. Everyone. I really, truly believe everyone is an artist. And it's just finding what that means to them. You know, like it might be dance. It might be like painting on a, um, a canvas might be music, and it might be something totally different. Like it might be knitting, it might be um, poetry, it mm -hmm. might be, you know, like everyone can find that creative expression, and I really do believe everyone has it within them. It's just kind of finding that and letting that flow. Okay. And inspiration in general, like I think art provides inspiration and a sense of happiness, like finding the, one of the key things to us being happy as humans is whatever it is that you're passionate about and following that. Yeah. And I think the other ones, some of them are giving back as service, you know, creative expression, whatever that means, community yeah. and support. Yeah. And, you know, the list goes on, but some of those main things that I find are things that I'm trying to provide for humans in Denver. See, so to anyone who's listening to this who might be an artist, like there's two sides you mentioned uh, inspiration. It's kind of two sides to that. Like, for artists who create the art, it can provide inspiration to and others. Yeah. Uh, and, and also uh, happiness for ourselves. Right. Well, well like, <laughs> as the observer of the art, I know going to museums and seeing a piece of art that hangs on a wall or a sculpture or something, that for some reason it can, it can really move you. I mean, it can move people to tears to, mm -hmm. to look at something like that. And performance art is the same way. Like, it's amazing what human beings can do. Mm -hmm. And to watch... You know, we have a, a good friend, you know, Kelly Mendez, and she liked to watch her perform from someone who, she came from a background of dance, but like to go and translate that into the air and to see, knowing when she first started to 
you know, a couple years now down the road. Like, it's amazing. And to watch other performers that you've, you've brought in some really incredible performers to some of the shows that we've been to. And it's just, it's, a, it's hard to kind of believe that human beings can do some of the moves that we can do, you know? Yeah. Like, my question then would be, how does an artist find that inspiration, like, when they're stuck? Because that is often like, oh, I don't know what to paint, or I don't know what to write, or I don't, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. how, how can an artist find inspiration? Hmm, it's a valid question, and one that I deal with sometimes. I think sometimes it just requires, like, doing the things and feeling, you know, what the, the sensations within your body, like okay. what comes up. Like, for me, dance is a big thing. So when I'm feeling stuck or, like, frustrated or emotional, I'll just put on some music and dance. Okay. And usually that'll get me out or finding, like, some new creative things that I want to work with. But from someone who doesn't really know what their artistry is, I think it's really just delving into, like, and also getting out and trying new things. Like, you know, finding, taking a class at Circus Collective or... <laughs> going to a painting class or yeah. going to do an open mic and seeing if that feels good and just trying all these different things like writing a poem and seeing how that feels and just really getting out of your comfort zone and also like experimenting with new things that you might not do. Yeah, no, that's, and that's kind of been the running theme of this, of this conversation <laughs> is that like getting out of your comfort zone and just doing it, like just, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a tired slogan of just do it, but it's true. It's so yeah. very true. And I think it's especially true with creatives of mm -hmm. like, I'm stuck. Well, just do something, do anything. And it may not even be what you end up doing a year down the road, yeah. but just try and if, it. Also, like if you're a specific type of artist um, and that's like your one medium, you know, trying something new. Yeah. Oh, Doug Hausner. That's the artist I was thinking of. Like, for example, him, he is a fabulous artist. I don't know if you guys have heard of Doug Hausner, but he really has all different mediums and one day he was taking a picture and he was like what if I just deconstruct this photo yeah. and make it into something and now he does deconstructed photography as like his art and it's fabulous and right. then you see his paintings and they are just stunning and you're like I, I was just blown <laughs> away with how yeah. many different styles of specific like art can be created and it was really just having an idea and going for it and um uh, yeah, and now I'm I'm experimenting with other forms of art too, as well, like as Ariel. So this kind of leads into my next question, which is, what what advice would you give to someone who's like starting out as an artist or like feels stuck in their artistry? What's one thing they can do? Well, I think I'm gonna come from the circus standpoint, sure. and I'm I'm actually gonna use Kelly Mendez as an example. <laughs> okay, maybe she'll listen to this. So. What's really fascinating, what I really love about circus art specifically, is that human capacity. And when you you don't think you can possibly do something as a human, like for a handstand or a one-handed handstand, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. And then you practice, and you just practice and practice and practice, and eventually you can do it. Right, right. And it's just fascinating to me to see how money, like how the growth of human and the actual absolutely human potential that's possible when you practice yeah. and so for Kelly Mendez she came in new person a little intimidated hadn't done much aerial I was one of her first teachers and now she's an amazing aerialist and she's performing and you know she's really using it as like such an amazing tool for her to express 
express like the emotions that come up for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so from a circus standpoint, I think it's really just getting in the studio and practicing and doing it on repetition until you're good. As as lame as that sounds. Yeah, no, it doesn't <laughs> sound lame boring, at all. boring, <laughs> it's really, sometimes I have to force myself. Like I, I have the issue of getting caught up in computer work and like the studio work. And so I don't get to play as much. Yeah. But sometimes I literally have to force myself to get off the computer and go into the studio and turn on the music and just jam and play. Yeah. And it's like so important for my self sanity. And <laughs> um, yeah, so what? as an artist, I think it's sometimes just forcing yourself to get in the studio and just do something because something will come of it. Yeah, that brings up the idea of like, we all suck when we first start anything. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. And that practice and repetition is what makes you better at it. And I think it is very, it can be perhaps most clearly seen when you're doing something physical because, like, you've talked about Kelly and, and the strength of her being a non aerialist performer to, to actual performing now and being, being good at it. With me doing yoga, I've done yoga for years, ever since I've lived in Colorado, but not consistently until the last few years and I could never do a free I can't yet do a handstand freestanding but I could never do even a headstand like freestanding and now I can do that and it's just from repetition of practicing it and mm-hmm. and just sort of building that strength up and um, it's just like anything physical but that applies to the artistry or one of the previous interviews we talked about uh, an artist making like visual artist painting and like you just have to rep- do the repetition, make a hundred paintings before you can even really call yourself an artist and to know what, whether that's something that you want to do. And, and and that goes back to that, like finding your artistry is really just trying something and no one's going to start as a quote unquote artist, you know? Yeah. I was very much like a hobbyist when I started Ariel. Yeah, you said that. And um, yeah, I would call myself an artist now, a circus artist. Yeah. So... If you went back to the early days of, of, of Ariana just like doing the yoga training and, and, and discovering Aerialist as an art form, <laughs> if you could go back and sit down with her and, and had 60 seconds, what would be advice that you would give her? Um, I would have told her to stay more dedicated in her earlier years because I didn't, I was the same. It was very much a hobby until I decided to go to this program and practice more often. Um, back then. Okay. And that was probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Just get strong back then and really like hone in on your craft and focus. You know, I'm, I'm a little ADD and I like to do everything. And sure. So I always come back to Ariel right now. I'll, like, I'll be honest, I come back to Ariel because it pays the, I get most gigs doing Ariel, but I'm really interested in, in honing in on, on like Adagio and, and I carry in. So you mentioned adagio before. It's Where's it's hand to hand. It's like it's hand to hand partner acrobatics with dance okay. is adagio. Okay. So I really want to hone in on getting a partner and really like honing in on that craft and it's so fun. I used to have an adagio partner in San Francisco and we were getting a lot of gigs. Yeah. I haven't found one that I'm working consistently with in Colorado. Coming along. That's we cool. We got some people. That's good. That's good. Make some shout outs right now for those. <laughs> yeah, if there's anybody out there that's really good. friends out there that can lift me high. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Contact numbers at the end. 
you, you talked earlier about leadership, and I think that's also kind of an important aspect in, in this, because it, many types of artistry can be a solo endeavor, you know, the painter, the, the songwriter, you know, the journalist, the photographer, can be a very solo endeavor of making that work. Uh, but you're taking it a step further and going, okay, so I make performance work and I do that, but I also want to help others explore their art and their artistry, and so that's where you're, you're transitioning or you have already started that transition role into a, like a leader with starting a business where you could bring others in and teach them and train them, but also help build this community. And then I think you took that aspect of that community even further with now you're producing Daybreaker in Colorado and you're kind of continuing to build that community, but through leadership of, of these are the kind of things that I enjoy and have benefit me and I think they can benefit others. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's a really powerful Man, thing, you're too. saying this, and I'm starting to feel, like, really proud. <laughs> well, you should be. <laughs> you should be. That's why I wanted to sit down and chat with you. Like, like I, we said earlier, I think we came to the very first Circus Collective opening, and I was blown away by the art on the walls because I have a real connection to the art. But then, like, watching the performances, I had never seen, like I said, outside of going to Cirque du Soleil show, I've never seen it close up, and I've never really met people that did it. And then never really had the opportunity. I've only done acro on the floor and stuff, but never really had the opportunity to explore that myself. And I was like, wow, it's really fun. And, and, and I see the draw and I can see people like Kelly, like really getting into it, who are like, this is a powerful way to express myself. Yeah. So I think that's great that you've been building that community for yeah, the past few thanks. years. It's fantastic. So let's talk about things that are coming up. Uh, some stuff for the Tapping in Circus Collective, Daybreaker. Yeah, so I guess the next uh, exciting thing and how we can really build community more and create more of the artist expression, I think the thing I'm mostly excited about Circus Collective right now is we built kind of a theater-ish setting okay. in our space. You can see we've got a curtain. Yes. It's the start of a theater. <laughs> you need a curtain, that's right. <laughs> Any theater needs a curtain. <laughs> We're going to start doing shows here, hopefully every weekend okay. night. And what kind of show? All different. So um, mostly right now it's rentals that are coming in and doing their shows here. Okay. Starting in November, we're going to be doing live jams with bands. Tom LaFont from Banshee Tree is going to be helping us. And Sarah Dawn is going to be helping us lead it for the aerialists. And we're just going to have like jams where aerialists can come in and jam with bands. And we just want to kind of activate the space in that way where we can have, you know, like you were saying, like it's hard to find a place where you can really see aerial work and circus mm-hmm. work and just like go on a Friday night, you know, and we're, cre- we're trying to create a space where theater and um, performance is easy to access. And it's also like, it also helps build the community outside of classes. Yeah. Because one of the challenges I have for as a community builder is like, that's so important to me. And sometimes people just go to class and they connect with their classmates, but then they leave and there's no real place to bond outside of the classroom. Right, right. Unless you go to ecstatic dance, which not everyone's into. Um, so, you know, this will provide a space where you can come support your peers, you can come support your classmates, you can come to the show and, like, see the show. And also a lot of free events that we're going to be doing, like, with the theater and just using the space in a new way. So okay. we're trying to activate it as, like, a hub as well on, on weekend nights. Nice, cool. And then on top of that, we're doing a student showcase which is not until November. It's November 15th, 16th. Okay, so, so we'll have links to your contact information so people can get these dates, not just from this recording, but they can go online and see. But 
to best find you online? Uh, circuscollective.com. Circus <laughs> yeah, is, is that. And then my email is info at circuscollective.com. Okay. And then, and then Daybreaker is daybreaker backslash den. So how and, often does Daybreaker happen here in Colorado? So, um, and maybe I can get feedback from this podcast. I usually do the Daybreaker every six weeks. Okay. And so if people want to get more information on Daybreaker specifically online, they can go to... Daybreaker.com backslash den or just daybreaker.com. Okay. Anything else you want to say? Any final words or any kind of last bits of info mm, for the creative Yeah. Um, I think that's about it. I think this was really good insight for me too. And just <laughs> cool. I got a lot out of it and really just allowing yourself to to find that flow and, and find creative expression and do it every day. Yeah. Um, it's po- important to just being human. Say that again. Find your flow. <laughs> <laughs> find your flow and do your creative expression every day. Oh, I love that. I love that. We'll end it right there, Eric. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank, Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for your time. <laughs>